Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. This week, we are so honored to have with us Dr. Holiday Bell. She is a board-certified pediatrician, and she is a certified sleep specialist. She is here to share her journey into medicine, into pediatrics, and into this special niche that she's created to help her patients. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited anytime I can talk about sleep. Yeah, I think I first came across your online presence and saw you're on the Dr. Phil show, a couple of their media platforms. Little did I know we're actually in the same city. Yeah, that's crazy. So are you a native of Illinois? I am. I am. So I was born in Chicago, uh, raised near Chicago. I went to I went to college at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. I did my medical training at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And then I moved away to the D.C. area for my pediatric residency. Gotcha. So did you know all along kind of growing up that you wanted to become a physician? I did. I did. And so I actually made the decision to become a doctor when I was six. I don't know. (laughs) I like to think it was, you know, God instilling in me this vision. But there was no one around me who were, you know, doctors. I mean, doctors in my family, even nurses in my family, really. Uh, But it was something that I just made the decision. I knew I wanted to do and specifically a baby doctor. Like I would go to the hospital and say, I want to be a baby doctor. And luckily, I just stuck with that and went through the necessary steps and training and continued on and became a pediatrician and fulfilled that. But it was a decision I made very early on. So at the age of six, how did you know what a physician was? By going to the doctor. So I will say in looking back, and I didn't realize this at that time as as a six-year-old, my pediatrician was a Black woman at that time. I saw her for just a few years. Like we moved around a lot, so I didn't have a consistent primary doctor. And I think that was the first time that I had seen someone who looks like me in that type of role. And she was so intelligent and she cared herself so well and she had all the answers to what was going on. And I think that subliminally that played a big part in me deciding that I wanted to do that also. I'm from the inner city of Chicago, so like poor, you know, neighborhoods and all those things so that I just didn't really see that normally. And then even going to the hospital outside of that, let's say with someone else, I just always looked up to the doctors and just, they just seemed so knowledgeable. And I think it was just something I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to be that person for someone like me. Yeah. So when you went to college, how did you know what pathway to take, what to study to continue on to that goal? Yeah. So it was a lot of figuring it out for myself. I, I would recommend everyone to get a mentor, someone who has been down that path and can guide you. I'll be honest, I didn't really have that. So the good thing is, though, I knew what I wanted to do since I was six. So this was something that I was putting into place long before I even went to college. Like in high school, I did a um, class called medical science where I trained in the hospital before school even started to be a CNA for the hospital experience. And so I already knew, I already had like blinders. Like I was set on that path. So I had like counselors and stuff that kind of helped me. And I went to any meetings about pre-med things that I could go to and just kind of figured it out on my own. But I would definitely recommend if you can find a good mentor to help, that would be a better kind of streamlined way to get through that process. Got you. So you made it through undergrad. It's a big feat. You took the MCAT and now you're applying to medical schools. So at this point, did you have the mentorship in place or what helped you in the in the applications process? Yeah, so I, I did have uh, more of a mentor in that. Well, actually, no, I will say my mentor came in medical school. So I still hmm. didn't really have much mentorship. It was mostly 
To be fair, I was in a lot of undergraduate, pretty much any pre-medical undergraduate organization, especially minority organization. I was a part of that. So mentorship through those programs and through like, you know, people who will come back and talk to us. I I actually helped to found a pre-med minority group in our college. So I learned a lot, you know, working in that group. So it was like just putting myself in the right place, getting all the information that I could get from all those sources to help inform, you know, the next steps. Gotcha. So you got into medical school. Was it everything that you dreamed it would be? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, so, you know, I anticipate, I was a molecular cellular biology major in, um, in college. So it was already hard. I was used to hard work and studying. I also did do an accelerated master's in biotechnology after college. So I had decided that it wasn't the right time for me to take the MCAT my junior year of college. I was I was going to realize I was not going to be prepared enough. And again, going to meeting, organizational meetings helped to inform that decision because they were like, if you're not ready, don't take it because you can't take mm-hmm. that score back. And so it was this whole like change of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I always thought I would just go straight to medical school. And so I decided in that interim and at that space to do a master's because I was also interested in research. And so the master's in bi- biotechnology came in the picture and then in medical school, you know, it was it was tough. It was a lot of work. I think the biggest thing is that it just took up so much of my life. Like yeah. I was studying all the time. Any chance I got, you know, was uh, dedicated to studying. So it was I anticipated it to be difficult and it lived up to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's oftentimes like one of the hardest decisions for pre-meds to make is that when to throttle back and when to slow down and wait. Like maybe it's not just the perfect time. And I, I need to pursue that master's. I, I did a master's as well because I knew with my timeline, it's not going to line up for me to go straight to medical school. And so taking that little bit of time to, to look around and be like, okay, talk to the mentors if you have those mm-hmm. and make sure that that application is, is the absolute best that you can make it when you're trying to get to medical school. It's so important. It's so important. And honestly, I mean, I was that person, like I said, I knew since I was six, I was on this journey. So it really was uh, like I had like a breakdown of, wait a minute, what? I don't just do this. And uh, but it was the best decision that I made, because had I tried to take the MCAT at that point, no way would I have yeah. scored what I scored. No way would I have been on the trajectory that I was. So it was taking a pause, looking at my other options. Luckily, that master's fit right in that time. I got to apply senior year and I put myself in a much better position. So do not be afraid to take a step back and, you know, reorient if you need to. Fantastic. So tell me, um, you know, you're in medical school. Did you think about other specialties besides pediatrics or were you still just true to it, true to true to what you wanted to do? Yeah, I'm just I'm one of those weirdos that just like... <laughs> Picked it in childhood, stayed with it. And we like to say like, oh, keep your options open. And I like to think I did that, but it was always peds. And when I did my peds rotation, it just cemented that I just loved it so much. The only thing I slightly considered before doing the rotation was maybe OB-GYN because like, oh, there's still like babies involved. And like, you know, also I get to take care of adolescents, maybe. And then I was like, absolutely not. This is not it for me. So it was just always. Yeah. So what do you think, um, you know, was the the toughest thing about becoming a pediatrician? Like the one thing that maybe gave you pause and like, are you, am I sure I want to do this? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, So I, a couple things. So number one, I love taking care of kids because they're so resilient. 
their you can become a part of their life literally from like birth until adulthood and there's so much change that I feel like you can affect before they're as set in their ways as adults are. With that being said, seeing sick kids is also hard. Yeah. So especially as I was in residency and on my hematology oncology rotation, that like broke my heart. And so that part is really tough. It's like, I love it because they're so resilient and they usually bounce back and they're great. But when they're not, it's really, really. Yeah, I can imagine. And that's definitely like my experience was like, oh yeah, happy kids are, are cool. But when they start getting sick and as anesthesiologists, I mean, I, I do mostly adults now and every, every now and then I'm taking care of little babies, but gosh, it's, it's a lot at, a lot at stake. During a pediatric residency, you do a bunch of different rotations. I'm, I'm going to show you the extent of my knowledge. There's Inpatient, outpatient, there's pediatric emergency medicine, you do ER stuff, okay. hematology. So like, what, what are the different rotations that you go through as a pediatric uh, peds resident? Yeah, so you hit most of them. So it's a lot of inpatient. I also knew very early on that I wanted to be an outpatient primary care pediatrician. And okay. so I purposely chose a program that had a track that allowed me to spend more time outpatient because generally that makes up a very small portion of your training. So in my rotation, or I'm sorry, in my residency, I spent almost half the year, my second and third year, outpatient as opposed to inpatient, oh, wow. which was really nice. Yeah. But other than that, lots of inpatient, like hospitalist, general inpatient care. You do nephrology, endocrinology, uh, cardiology, hematology, oncology, basically every single specialty service. You also do for a month or two. NICU too, so taking care of the little babies who are really sick in the uh, yeah, ICU, yeah. as well as PICU, so the pediatric intensive care unit, and then ER as well. Jesus, that's a whole uh, all the a lot of babies. Lots of babies. <laughs> so you did that in three years for PEDS residency. That's right. Yeah. At what point did you decide that you wanted to do kind of extra training and find this niche to practice in? Yeah, that's a great question. So my third year of um, residency, really end of second year, going into third year, as you know, it's just hard to get sleep. You're just not sleeping. And I'm (laughs) someone who has always needed sleep, always loved sleep. And I found myself struggling with insomnia, like not only only insufficient time to sleep, but then when I did have that time, I was unable to sleep. And it really affected me in so many ways. Like I just was not my best self. I was irritable. I was moody. I was just all these things. And I was like, I have to fix this. There's no way for me to live my life. So it just started as a personal journey of like, how can I fix my sleep? And I started to um, volunteer in the sleep clinic in our, in my hospital and actually worked with the sleep psychologist the most as opposed to the sleep medicine Mm. physician, which also informs my decision for training. And then I read every book there is literally on sleep and started to put practices into place, but also started to learn that like, oh, this is more than just feeling rested and feeling good. Like sleep is actually so important to every facet of your health. And so it became a deeper passion of mine. And when I started to feel better, I wanted to help other people feel better. Side note, as a pediatrician, sleep comes up in every single type of visit from newborn infants, parents who aren't sleeping, sleep training, adolescents, like sleep is a big part of it. And as Hmm. doctors, we just don't get a lot of training on that. So I actually started a blog. Or or a lot of of sleep, so. (laughs) Or a lot of sleep, yeah. We are not experts in practice or in training. Um, So I actually started a blog in residency called The Solution is Sleep because I was like, how can I just get to more people? Like, more people need to know about this. And then that kind of snowball started, like, a social media, mostly to promote the blog, but then it was catching on. 
And then people would ask me about services and I was like, okay, I love this. I'm so passionate about it. There's more to this. So then I decided to become specialized and then actually start a business surrounding sleep. And that business is the solution is sleep. Right. Yes. Fantastic. So you kind of started it in residency. I did. Yeah. Not knowing that it would be a business, but just like, it was also a great balance too. So I love being a pediatrician. I, I still practice pediatrics in clinic. But having this other way of communicating and helping people that wasn't so hands-on physical, like writing blog posts and educating in that way, like really was a great balance for me. And so it was something that I was passionate about. It created balance. And then as it started to grow, I started to catch on to the fact that it could also be something that generated income for me and be a part of what I do in practice. Fantastic. And the first thing that you taught me within seconds of us meeting was that there is a difference between... Uh, being a uh, sleep medicine specialist versus a certified sleep specialist, you had to kind of at some point decide which route you're going to take. So how did you, or what's the difference first, or then how did you choose the route that you took? Yeah, so there's there are sleep medicine physicians who are fellowship trained physicians uh, who specialize in sleep medicine. So after my residency, I would have done, it's actually just a one-year fellowship, which is the only one-year fellowship in Pete. So it was, Mm. you know, a little bit tempting from that standpoint, but I would have done a fellowship to practice sleep medicine. What I did was a certification in clinical sleep health, which is something I still did after residency, but it wasn't a fellowship. It's basically, uh, a certification exam you have to take and there are certain elements or knowledge that you have to attain, usually by like a course and, you know, there's coursework associated with it, but not a hospital instituted fellowship. It's actually given by the Board of Registered Polysomnographic Technologists. So you take the certifying exam and it's only for medical professionals. So like nurses, physicians, pharmacists, they're like a certain group who already have to have some type of medical license in order to get this certification. So as a certified sleep specialist, what is it that you do? What do you help patients with? Yeah. So that goes back to the decision to do that as opposed to a sleep medicine physician. So I, like I said, I spent a lot of time in a sleep medicine clinic and the fellow there was like, this is a great life. Like you should just do the fellowship. Like you do a one-year fellowship, you're out, you get to, you know, practice as a sleep medicine physician, you make more money than a general pediatrician. But the downside to that was that it was very technical and clinical still. So it was like you're reading sleep studies, you're treating obstructive sleep apnea, you're treating restless leg syndrome, you're treating all the disordered diseases of sleep. There Mm -hmm. is some behavioral element, but it's mostly the diseases of sleep. I learned as I was studying sleep and knew for myself that most sleep problems, whether children or adults, is behaviorally and cognitively based. And so I wanted to help people from that standpoint, as opposed to the normal physician role of like treating this disorder of sleep. The other thing is I also wanted to be a pediatrician, a general pediatrician. Like I didn't want to only do sleep. So it just didn't make sense to do a fellowship when I still wanted to be a general outpatient pediatrician. So once I found this certification, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is who this is creative created for is, is medical professionals who want to specialize in sleep. I get to still be a general pediatrician, but then also do sleep as well. So it just aligns well with what I wanted to do. So if there's a parent out there, they have a kid, what would prompt them to bring their child in to see you? Yeah, so many things. So I would say... For kids, I mostly see them for infant sleep training. So 
you have a baby who's now old enough to uh, be able to sleep throughout the night, but they're not doing it, again, generally behaviorally related and mostly pertain to the parents and how they respond to the child's behavior, the infant's behavior. So huh. sleep training to help the baby sleep throughout the night. And then also toddler training. So there, you know, come times where toddlers are either sleeping in the parent's bed or getting out of bed at night or fight bedtime. And so they want help on how to get them in their bed sleeping through the night. What's interesting about all of this is most, my uh, patient population that I treat in sleep are actually adults mostly. So I don't (laughs) treat children (laughs) as much. And what I found in training for sleep to become a sleep specialist is I really enjoy treating adults more than children because for children, the sleep issues are the parents. (laughs) 99.9%. It's a parent. So I'm not even treating that. I have to like teach you how to respond to the child. And it's a different element than like speaking with the patient and like teaching them themselves how to sleep better and things that they can do to sleep better. So I do both, but I mostly treat adults in terms of sleep. I, I definitely would, would never have guessed. So, and then you're back to the pediatric practice. You do outpatient peds as well? Yes. Yeah. And and what uh, kind of percentage do you do each? Yeah, so I, so it started out with uh, like 75% peds clinic and then 25% uh, sleep practice as a sleep specialist. And my goal, and I'm not there yet, I'm still figuring this out, is to actually make it more of a 50-50 type of situation. I will say within my practice in PEDS, I am the go-to sleep specialist. So if there's someone who's like, oh, their kid is not sleeping, you know, they want help, they're like, oh, see Dr. Holiday, though. It also helps that I treat mostly adults in my own practice because there's no overlap, there's no conflict with the patient population I see in clinic. It's very different and separate so that I have to be like, oh, am I treat, you know, it's just, it's separate. But my goal and I'm working towards as it becomes a bigger business, making it more of a, a 50-50 split. So one of the things in medicine that's so huge these days is burnout. And personally, and doing some reading, I feel like it comes from doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So my theory, I mean, it's not my theory, but having that very diverse practice, like, do you feel that you're burnt out? Do you feel that you have some kind of relief because you see a variety? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would definitely say that, first of all, sleep in general helps against burnout. Oh, yeah, there you go. So focusing <laughs> on that has literally changed my life. But also, yes, having that, like I said, that balance. And I do want to say, you know, some people will come to me like, oh, it's so amazing. You have this business. You're doing these opportunities. And it is. It is also a lot of work. So I am a pediatrician by training. I've been on this path since I was six. I am not a business owner by training. And so starting my own business, growing it, marketing, all those things that go into it took a lot of work in addition to the work I was doing in clinic. However, because it was so different and it was a stimulating a different part of my brain than I normally use, it didn't feel that way. Like it's something I enjoy. Every kind of milestone I've hit, it just feels so much better. So I definitely think that even though I'm working a lot, like my life would be a lot easier if I only did one time-wise. <laughs> It right. definitely creates that balance, and I do I do feel less burnt out because it's like I get to use different parts of my skill sets in my mind. So I really love it for that reason. Well, first, uh, if you're listening and not driving, go ahead and follow Dr. Holly Bell on Instagram. It is the sleep underscore MD. If you want to dig deeper, you can visit her webpage, the solution is sleep.com. So can you tell us about what you offer 
your patients? What do you offer? Because you have some different consultation packages, different talks that you give. Can you just share uh, your business? Yeah. And that's actually been evolving recently. And I've made some exciting new kind of changes and progressions that I'm super excited about. So initially when I started it, it was to give sleep consultation. So in addition to being a certified sleep specialist, I got training in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is the number one recommended treatment for chronic insomnia. Purely Hmm. behaviorally based, you help with, you know, distorted cognitions and then the subsequent behaviors of that that lead to and help to promote insomnia. And so I used that framework to provide consultations for individuals who suffer from chronic insomnia. And again, mostly adults. And we do it virtually and there are different packages. So I I started with that. And so every week I would meet with this individual. We would discuss and go through the framework of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, sleep logs, all those things to help them sleep better. I then created an online course based on that same material for individuals who want to do it just at a self-guided pace if I'm not able to accommodate, you know, the virtual consultations. That's something that they have access to and at a lower price point. So I offer that. And then I also offer kind of one-off sleep consultations for individuals who don't necessarily have chronic insomnia, but they're just like, I just need to get my sleep in order. I know that what I'm doing isn't working and like I need to prioritize sleep and there are some things I need to change, but I'm not necessarily suffering from chronic insomnia. It's like a one-off consultation and I provide them a personalized sleep plan of changes to make. More recently, and I love that because I love being able to really affect someone's sleep on the individual level. I've been there before. I know how horrible it can be. And so I love seeing that change. But more recently, what I have developed are corporate sleep consultations and seminars. So working with companies on a larger global scale to say, hey, it's important for your employees to sleep because it helps in productivity and engagement and uh, interpersonal uh, conflict between employees and all these things that I was like, this can affect change on a bigger level. So I've worked with corporations to just come in and do webinars, to do workshops, to do more longitudinal consultations. And I'm actually working on building that facet of the business a little more now. Fantastic. How has that been uh, received by these corporations? Really well. So I think what has been so nice for me as I've gone in and talked to some of these people is people are realizing how important sleep is. Like, I think we're on the precipice of this, like becoming more of a thing. People in corporations focus on, you know, leadership, DEI, which is super important. Like all these things that really help workplace culture and productivity. And people are starting to realize that sleep is also one of those things they don't have many people like me who do this and speak to it on this level. So it's actually been super well, well received. I've had people reach out to me like, Oh my gosh, we're so happy. We found you. We, we were looking for someone who does this type of thing. Can you come speak to our corporation? Can you come do this workshop? So it's actually been really, really well received and I'm excited to see people be so interested in it. Wow. I think, uh, I got you on a show, probably like a Freudian slip or something. I typically get, four to five hours of sleep a night. It's been, uh, this is just, this is just me. I I should probably just take myself to your website and sign up, uh, for one of your courses since, uh, because since medical school, I study my best at night. Like I am a night owl. Um, so I'll curious about your thoughts as as being a night owl. I I study my best from like 10 PM to four or five in the morning. Cause I, then I won't be Mm -hmm. distracted. So that got a lot harder in, medical school. I got harder when I started my clinical rotation, but I still kind of did it. I'm an anesthesiologist. I still 
we'll go to bed. And my wife laughs because we'll be sitting on the couch. And at 10 o'clock every night, my like Apple alarm goes off. That It's like a chime. It's like yeah. it's bedtime. And she just like looks at me and rolls my <laughs> eyes because 10 o'clock, I'm wide awake, bouncing off the walls, playing music. And usually like midnight, 1230, I crawl into bed and then I'm up at like 430 because I go got to go to the ICU. And I, I hate my life every morning. I'm like, why did I go into anesthesia? Then I wake up in the shower and then I go to work and then I do it all over again. So what do you, what about night owls? That, huh. So I am a night owl by nature. And that is part of the reason that I also suffer from insomnia because same, similar to you, huh. around nine or 10 is when I just get, I get my second wind. I'm like, okay, let's organize. Let's, let's clean my closet. My husband, who is an early bird by nature, I was like, what are you, <laughs> like, why are you so energetic? But my circadian rhythm is set up such that that is when I get those alerting factors. So I had to train myself and you do this through consistency to not, I would never not be a night owl. Like my circadian rhythm is what it is, but I train myself to be able to fall asleep earlier and wake up earlier. My burst of energy, my best, you know, work, mental clarity is not going to happen first thing in the morning, no matter what. But I've at least gotten myself on a consistent sleep and wake schedule such that I don't feel miserable because it's hard for us night owls out there. Life is not set up for a night owl, unless you're just like strictly not a business all. owner, entrepreneur who has meetings only late in the day and you can do that or like a musician or something like it's It's just not set up that way. So it's not feasible to get the sleep that you need and be on what should be your your normal schedule. So it took time and training, but I've gotten myself to be more aligned with what life actually looks like. There's hope, but you got it. It's hard. It's going to be much harder for you than someone who would naturally get sleepy around 10. But consistency is key. And honestly, you would, like, you've probably been existing off of that little sleep so long that it feels normal to you. But if you were to get to a point that you were getting a consistent seven, eight, nine hours of sleep, you would probably be like, I didn't know that I could feel like this. Like, that is typically what I get is like, Four to five hours was so normal for me that I thought that th- this was a normal way to feel. And then you consistently get good sleep huh. and people are like, what is this life? Like, I feel like I took some super drug. Like, this is not how I normally ever feel. So I would I would challenge you to try to consistently get more sleep and just see how you feel. It's worth the effort it takes to transition. Gotcha. Well, you, you are the <laughs> expert, so I'll, I'll have to uh, take, take your word for it. Gosh, so as we start to wrap up, would you mind sharing once again where folks can reach you at, whether it's for pediatrics, whether it's for um, sleep evaluations, and then your social media? Definitely. So I actually will be, now that I'm in Chicago from the D.C. area, I'll be starting a position at the University of Chicago uh, Homewood Clinic for pediatrics in a couple of weeks, actually. So if you are looking for a pediatrician in the southern suburb area, look me up. In terms of my sleep consultations, you can go to my website, thesolutionissleep.com. And then for my social media, you can reach me on Instagram at thesleep underscore MD. And you can also look me up on LinkedIn where I get to post more long form educational information than I do on Instagram. And you can just type in my name, Angela Holiday Bell, and you should be able to find me. Awesome. I saw some of your blog posts and they they, they sounded really interesting. So I'll have to go uh, dig back into it. La- last question I have is, how does one end up on the Dr. Phil show? 
It's a good question. <laughs> so in my journey of building, you know, my business and my social media presence, I actually have been on the advisory board for a few really cool organizations. So like Health Magazine, I'm the sleep specialist on their advisory board, um, as well as a sleep company called Hatch for Sleep. In my advisory board duties, I worked with them in this company called Hello Bello, which is a kid's sleep brand founded by Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell to a celebrity couple. So I worked with them before on some press releases and some media things, and they were doing a spot on Dr. Phil where they needed to help a family whose kids weren't sleeping. And since we had to work together in the past, they asked if I would come on the show, give advice, kind of represent them as an ambassador. And of course, I said yes. And so that's how I got and how long ago did you start start your company? Um, about like a year and a half, two years ago now. Jesus. Yeah. So it's fantastic. And I love hearing these stories because it's the consistency, it's the dedication, it's the hard work that you put in. And people just now see the results of that. Yeah. But there's a lot that's been going on to get you to this point. 100%. Definitely. And I like to say, especially for any medical students out there, residents, physicians, one thing I want people to learn from my story is you can create your own path. Like as doctors, I think we're always taught that it's just one, two, three, ABC, and that's it. You just make the straight line and you don't have the flexibility. And I decided to create a path for myself. This was something I was passionate about. I truly love. I get to be an entrepreneur and a pediatrician. And it's something that makes me more fulfilled. I think it makes me less burnt out. And so I would say, don't feel like you have to be stuck in this box. If there's something you're passionate about, if you can use what you know, your knowledge as a physician, try it out. Do something else. Create your own path in something that makes you happy and fulfilled. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Holiday Bell, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your incredible journey, sharing your incredible company and the things you're doing to help your patients. Um, so excited to see where you go from, from now and, and into the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. We're here because representation matters.